0: Dr. Clara has been an associate professor in the Department of Exercise Science and Physical Education at Montclair State University for over 20 years. As a Hungarian native, Dr. Clara has experienced some of the toughest sports training tactics out there, which has created a wealth of confidence within her. She has received state and district awards, which included the New Jersey Outstanding College Teacher of the Year Award, as well as the Eastern District Outstanding Professional Award. Dr. Clara will discuss how she is working with athletes and performers from MSU to reduce and eliminate performance anxiety within their respective fields. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Lady Empire. I have such an amazing guest here with me today. Dr. Clara, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, looking through some of the incredible guests that you have had prior to me. I'm enjoying your podcast. It's really, really fun, and I'm learning a lot. So thank you for inviting me.
0: Amazing. Well, I first just want to start off with you telling us a little bit about your background and your upbringing and if this sort of affected your career path at all.
1: Yes. So, uh, uh, being the uh, daughter of a very tough Hungarian couple um, back in communism, back in behind the Iron Curtain, when the only way we could really excel as a very small country is through our sports and through our athletics. That was the only way we can show up to the world in European championships world, as well as Olympics. I always had the dream of becoming an Olympian. And my sister, my older sister, who was a junior Olympic swimmer, um, my mom being also an Olympic coach, It felt like this is going to be my path. There's nothing else interested me in my life. No academics. I showed up in class because I had to, but it was all about sports. But then my mom seeing what happens with these athletes and what happens with these youngsters, even back then, and how much pressure uh, they are put under, she decided that I really should not be doing that. So we went on a different path. But that time of playing for until about 12 years of age, I was playing with some of the best uh, back then tennis players. It was tennis and soccer were my main sports, but tennis seemed to be the path for me. I noticed the incredible pressure, not only that parents put and coaches put the children under but the children put themselves under for a variety of reasons. So I think it kind of instilled in me the interest to see, and, and I was always um, a bit of an empath and I was always someone who looked to help people turn their negatives into positives. So I was more like a little, mental coach for my peers, even back then. So that's where everything kind of started and in, in seeing, and my, my mother, incredible human being. Unfortunately, she's ailing now and, and we don't know how long we have, but she was one of those hard, hardcore coaches. And uh, I was about 40 some years old and I am now moved on to playing golf because that was, you know, I had to pick up the most frustrating sport in earth of course. And so I was playing that sport and I didn't win. I There was competitions that I just didn't win. And I come home and I said, my mom said, this was such a, I had such a great time. I said, but did you win? I'm like, no, I, I finished second, but I had a great time. And mom is like, you know, that first place is better than second, right? <laughs> like, so this is This is the temperature. This is the world that I grew up in. So that's where all these things came from and this desire to help others.
0: That's an amazing story. And I want to know a little bit about your educational background and tell us um, sort of the journey of are you in the United States? Um, And if you are, tell us about how you got here and why you got here.
1: Yes. So um, as I mentioned at the beginning of my uh, uh, career as, an, as a student on this earth, I did not care about school. I loved school, uh, even though I was bullied to pieces because I looked like a boy and I was a girl. So that's a different story where a lot of other things came from. Um, but I was very, um, very much involved in my athletics, did not want to study. So I barely passed elementary school. And the only reason I passed is because the teachers liked me. So thank you so much for the teachers that are still alive. And uh, then I had to go to vocational school because I just didn't have the grades for um, you know, high school. So I went to vocational school in the first summer. It was so by, by title, by, by, by trade. I am a textile chemist, by the way. So in the first summer, we had to go to um, a factory. And nothing against factories. And the people were amazing. And I had a great time there. And we did some research and everything. But imagine an athlete who loves to be outdoors, being locked in in the middle of summer at 6 a.m. until 2 p.m. in a factory, dark as hell, in communism, oil smell, everything. that you. No, I said, I don't think so. I got to do something. So I went to my dad, I, I will never forget this day. I went to my dad who was also a, t- was, was also a tough, tough, tough son of a gun, but a, but my best friend. And I sat down and I said, dad, am I really this stupid that I, I, I can't be great at studying? And he's looking at me with his very serious eyes and says, of course, you're not stupid. You are my daughter. <laughs> I'm like, no, dad, I need a little more help than DNA, okay? So then uh, he told me, no, you just have to learn how to study and you have to take it seriously if you want to get out. So that's kind of like turn the light bulb on. And once that happened, I never stopped. So I started to study. Uh, within two years, I got enough points. In, in Europe, um, especially in Hungary, the system is as such that you have to collect a certain amount of points during your high school in order for you to be even eligible to put in for um, college. So uh, only the top students, males and females get in from the country. So I had this straight way into being a uh, chemist in a chemistry university. But my mom who knew, and this is for all of you mothers out there who are listening, watch your child since birth, watch what they do. Don't, tell them where to go and what to based on what you think is right for them, unless you watch them every single minute of growing up. And my mom watched me and she knew that I'm not going to be happy in a lab. And so she took me to her reunion in the Hungarian University of Physical Education. And I walked into that building and this whole building complex that's all about sports. And I was like, if there is such thing as heaven on earth, this was it. I mean, I look to the right, there's like team handball. I look to the left, there is swimming. I have volleyball. I have track. I'm like, I'm I'm still getting the chills how excited I was about this opportunity. But then it turns out um, they never took anybody from vocational school before because I don't have the points. So like a crazy person, it took me six months of studying four years of biology, four years of history to pass all these exams, plus a three-day um, athletic examination where you have like all the different sports. And I got in out of 45 people, 45 women and 45 men they taken. I got in on the 45th darn place, but I was in. So I remember back in those times, there was no such thing as PC, right? So we would go in first day of school and on the board, you can see the, um, the list of people getting in and everybody's looking at where they are on the list. And of course I am dead last. Kubach is dead last. Okay and everybody's all upset when they were towards the end and i'm like hell yeah i don't care i'm in and they are looking at me why are you so happy being that last i said no i'm first because nobody ever got in from vocational school so then um literally um i started to love studying and then i just never stopped so towards the end of my studies I applied to get a scholarship in the United States. By then, my two sisters were here. My mom really wanted to come. My parents divorced uh, way before that. So I said, um, I'm going to try to come out. And Montclair State in uh, New Jersey was very well known of their physical education program. Between Springfield College and Montclair State, those were the choices. And um, they took me in. I passed the test of English as a foreign language, which, by the way, was one of my testing that I teach now to my students how to pass a test when you don't know the content. Okay, I did not. I barely spoke English, but I well. No, that's that's another trick in my under under my sleeves that I teach to my students. So I passed by one point. Who cares? And then um, I was accepted to get my scholarship. So I here I was here at, at the um, nineteen ninety one. I came here ninety three. I recognize as it. You know, people have such a great life. This is law of attraction, by the way. I don't know if your audience listened to um, law of attraction at all, but this was truly law of attraction. I am here at, at the Montclair State. I am seeing how professors live. I never, ever thought about getting a doctorate degree. But when I saw that you can almost set your schedule. You can do both sports, in my field at least, sports, and you can use your brain and your body and have a great time. And it was amazing. I said, I want to be a professor. I didn't even know what the hell does that mean to be a professor. And guess what? I um, attracted three scholarships, one from Ohio State, from, from, one from Massachusetts, UMass, and one from uh, University of North Carolina, Greensboro. That's how it goes. You just you just fall in love with something and it will bring, it will come to you if you don't kill it with doubts. So that's how I got into UMass and then I got my doctorate degree and uh, now I've been teaching for 20 years at Montclair State University.
0: Wow, that is such an amazing story. I can't even wrap my head around everything you've gone through and everything you've accomplished. I mean, you should just be so proud. That is such a phenomenal story. Um, And so I want to talk a little bit about your experiences um, with athletes. So a lot of your work focuses on um, how you can help athletes to eliminate uh, performance test anxiety, right? A lot of student athletes have to pass these really elite performance tests. Um, and obviously, there's a lot of built up anxiety behind this. So, talk to us a little bit about how athletes can eliminate this performance test anxiety.
1: Okay, so first of all, I just do want to mention the fact that these are two very connected areas, um, but separate, because test anxiety is the one that does not allow them to get through their academics properly, or even just to get into some of the schools. And that's why I start to work with high schools. And this is this is the new venue that we are doing to literally go back to the high school level. Because by the time they get to me in college, it is an absolute nightmare for me to untangle that weave of, of of anxiety about everything, the perfectionism, the I am not good enough to It's just such a tangle that, that it's, it's really difficult to do. So the program that I have, I actually specifically seek out parents, conscious parents who want the best for their children. Because if we do it that way, just like my mom did for me, if we do it that way, then we are as a team with the parents and the child, we can get them prepared during high school for the college years. One of the biggest issues that my student athletes were telling me is that when you come out of the structure of high school, yes, there is pressure in high school, but there is still the background, especially, again, if it's a conscious family where where it's not about winning, but it's about the best performance possible. When they go home, there is still that love, that there's a connection. Also, in high school, there is a much, much, much better structure for their life. Every day they go to school. They know at the end of the day, there is homework to do. Homework is done, blah, blah, blah. We have to go to practice. The structure is there. When you go to college, you literally are all alone, all alone. And you have to build up a resilience during the high school years for those times that's going to come in freshman, Not talk about the fact that at the end of high school, you are top. You, if you were a great athlete, those are the ones that I work with. You are someone to be uh, respect, someone you have a stature. And you come to college, you may be in third, fourth, fifth, sixth position, or you may be sitting on the bench, even with a scholarship. So how are you going to handle that? How you become that person that you need to become, that peer, that colleague, that um, helper for the coach, that, that everything without, of course, losing yourself in that process and not striving to be the best. How do you build that up? How do you build those um, responses up and and those particular steps? They don't know those steps. And that was the biggest thing. This, this actually, this whole coaching grew out of my, my teaching because I, I didn't, I didn't want to be a coach period. I love my professorship. I have everything there and it's not nine to five, but even less. So I'm I'm loving it. No, I had to take this whole thing on because the students started to come to me because they weren't passing their exams. And And I was always a very strong confidant for them. And they, you know, we would be sitting in my office. Sometimes I would have four or five students sitting in my office. Literally, I would be sitting on the ground because they were sitting in my office at my table doing their homework because that was a safe place in college, right? So they start to talk to me years ago and I start to give them advice and the advice was working. I'm like, whoa, we got something here. And that's how everything started. And then now I have become the test and performance anxiety guru at the college, but uh, specifically my college because it's a division three, specifically with the tests and then I have my athletes and the coaches on the side.
0: That's awesome. So I want you to tell us a little bit about what optimizing mind-gut connection means. Um, I've seen this a little bit in your work. And so, you know, I want to know what that truly means and how athletes, student athletes, can really connect to this.
1: Okay. So now you just opened up a can of worms. Okay. So um actually I didn't let me just this is not the best one for that but let me show you something. So couple of things. Um one thing I learned about 12 while well now 13 years ago I happened to be at a stage in my life at that time um uh, that everything started to break down and I actually write about this in my book the uh, how to survive life's perfect storms because I I think I published that book in 2018. So that is all about um, why we experience less uh, less of a performance and also why we experience certain illnesses and certain fatigue, certain uh, brain fog, so forth and so on. And this is now becoming widely known, something that my father actually taught me. My father was a physician and he taught this to me decades and decades ago that, um, something that Hippocrates already mentioned a couple of centuries ago, that all illness starts from the gut. Now in our generations, I added all illness start from the gut and the mind. And through the vagus nerve, those two are in constant connection, connection. Okay. That's our longest nerve in our body and they are in constant connection. And as a nerve, it has also the veins going into the heart, the lung, spleen, all the different uh, organs, important organs. So in order to optimize that connection, not only that I help my student athletes and all my clients, because I have entrepreneurs, I have musicians, I have all kinds of clients, not only that I help them handle and calm their mind, but I also help them cleanse their gut. And that has given me the biggest and best combination of something that I have not seen yet on the universe, but I'm going more and more out on this. So I'm sure somebody's gonna copy this idea. But I am happy because I will feel very happy if they do, because that means it's working. And I my biggest thing in this world is to eradicate. Um, anxiety from everyone. But one of the biggest sources of anxiety is what we eat, how we eat, how much we eat, and how do we supplement ourselves of what we eat? Because the food is not um, nutrition rich anymore. All There's so many chemicals in it, you have to supplement. So then I got into the supplement world. 12 years ago, because I said, I need to find a way to help myself. And I started to take the probiotics and all that stuff and the vitamins. And I tell you, I had some success with those, but not much. And then about a year ago, when my mother already, my mother got a new caretaker for herself, because unfortunately between my husband, I didn't tell at the, uh, the beginning, but My husband has stroke-related dementia and my mom has stroke-related dementia. So I am a a caretaker in both levels. And then when my husband got sick, I had to become primary for him. But the long story short, last year out of the blue, I'm talking to my mom. Of course, I'm in lockdown in Florida. My mom is in New Jersey and my mom is happy. I'm like, my mom hasn't been happy in in like 10 years. (laughs) What the hell just happened? And I talked to the caretaker and I said, listen, thank you so much. Um, Make sure that you stay because whatever you're doing, keep doing it. She says, well, it's not just me, but I am also agreed with your sister that um, I'm allowed to give her the vitamins, the European vitamins that I'm taking and what really helped me, a lot of my clients, a lot of the elderly and a lot of the, you know, I said, "What, what vitamins? I'm like, I'm dying to know that. So it turns out that this woman, Uh, Introduced to my mother, this combination of the vitamins that are literally um, a combination of vitamin complex on each of them, plus they have probiotics, prebiotics, and inulin in them. So the absorption is incredible, like close to hundred percent absorption. So that's how, that's how I, what I build is I help my students go into proper eating habits, we figure out by food elimination, my way of food elimination, not the drastic ones. I did a drastic one for myself, but I help my students in the proper way because I don't want them to lose energy. So we do that. We figure out what foods um, irritate them and they can have it off season, but they can't have it during season. Then we go into the supplementation and then we also calm the mind. So we figure out what are the power foods for each of my, um, each of my students. So that's like a very brief version, but whatever is out there, there's so much garbage, garbage out there. And I want people to really carefully, like if you take a pill, just think about this, any kind of vitamin pill, that's a pill, a heart pill. Might as well just throw it down in the toilet. Okay. It's not going to work. Just let me just go into that. So, and then since then, I changed my husband's life in one year. Um, I put him on all these different, um, I changed his gut. Um, I stopped, made him stop eating certain foods that he uh, that he reacted to, and even his mind has gotten a lot better, which which everybody thinks is a miracle because he's now back to swimming. He's back to we're gonna go play a little golf this afternoon. And last year in April, we thought that we lose him. So, as I said, I know a, I know a little about a lot. <laughs>
0: That's amazing. And so I want to encourage everyone out there who's listening if you are experiencing issues, you know, I mean, you even talked about how your mother and your husband are experiencing elements of dementia. Even if you are just experiencing some sort of illness, I really encourage you to look at what Dr. Claire is doing, reach out to her, ask questions, get involved in what she's teaching and what she's coaching. I mean, she has changed the lives of people closest to her with, you know, what she what she teaches. And so um, that is so amazing to hear. I love this so much. So, you know, I want to ask as a professor, what do you see as the biggest challenges for student-athletes, whether that's in academics or in sports? You know, what do you see as the biggest challenge for them? And how do they overcome these challenges? Um,
1: honestly, it, it, this may surprise you, but the most common challenge that I hear from our student-athletes is that they were not prepared for the constant change. And what I mean by this is, is that change number one is, yes, they're excited to leave the home and all the stuff, but they're not prepared for taking and breaking ground in this new place. That's one. Then let's say we're talking about student athletes. They were promised. So let's say they were recruited. The coach signed off because the coach, and that's also a big um, uh, fallacy, I think, among this, uh, among people who are seeking out scholarships. It's really the coach that you have to get along with, not the administration, not the recruiter. No, it's the coach because the coach is the one that signs off the final, the one that signs the dotted line that this person is coming to me, one. Two, the coaches make the decision whether they play or not. The coach is the one that is going, so you have to, this is one of the biggest mistakes that parents make, and I just want you not to make that mistake, that they look at, and the children too, they look at together, oh, I just got, um, I just got an offer to uh, such and such university, and everything looks great on paper, but they haven't really dug deep with the coach. And that's the person that's going to make or break their life. So let's say they're okay. They are in there. Nothing will stay the same. Most of the time, a fraction of the freshman athlete that came into that university are actually going to stay either in the university or stay athletes. So that's number one. Number two about the change is that Let's say you are in your junior year and this is the time and you should be thriving and then potentially getting um, some uh, uh, eyeballs on your performance for, from, prof- from the professional recruiters. And then suddenly either a new coach comes in or a new recruiter comes in and they bring in a superstar who is maybe a freshman and you are sitting down. How are you going to handle that? How are you going to handle this constant change? And the, and the problem is that those who are, quote unquote, prepared, they are prepared with fear in their heart. They go into these university years and say, okay, so I am going to focus. I'm going to do my very best because if I don't do my very best, then I'm not going to be selected. I'm going to be sitting on the thing. I'm not going to be able to show my, my talent. This, this cannot happen and this is what happens to the majority of students so then that's one part as far as the athletics and then the other part is the academics because then, let's say you are a really good athlete and you really know that things are going to work out for you you still have to fulfill your academics in order for you to be um, continue to be eligible for your athletics and then that pressure puts on so that constant change too Because in college, you don't have the same teachers. Every semester, you have a a different group of teachers. You have to adjust to them. You have to find, and this is what I call studentship. In some ways, I teach my students what I call studentship. It's like, I teach you how to figure out that professor. Don't be, be, you know, this cocky son of a gun. Figure out what the professor wants, because you want to continue to play your athletics. And it's not that we teach them to, um, you know, anything silly. It's just more like figure it out, what they want, what their uh, weak spots are, what their strong spots are, how you can be best with them. But these are so many things that we need to figure out. And that's why I like to teach that ahead of time, because when nowadays I get them in college, it's a lot to take apart. So that's why I highly recommend um, parents to invest in helping their children in their latest, absolute latest junior year. I would love to work with the freshmen, freshmen in high school to prep them because this is going to also bring their scores up exponentially by the time it's gonna start counting. So that's the biggest thing, I think, the change.
0: So talk to us a little bit about the Elite College Mastermind. Um, Tell us about what it is and who can really benefit from this. Um, essentially
1: everybody can benefit who is interested in going to college, but I specifically designed this for student athletes who want to get somewhere. Why? Why am I being so exclusive? Um, simple. At this point in my life, I only want to work with people that really want it. Simple as that. And I know this may sound like I am not a nice person, but no, I don't care. I am working with everyone as a professor in my private practice. I want to work with the Jordan Speeds of the world that obviously has something bad going on. Okay. I want to make sure that I can lift him up and figure out what is going on. Why did he stop winning? And so forth and so on. But I want to have those people who are really serious about their athletics, they are serious about their academics, and they are serious about being the best human being possible. That is very important to me. Okay. So this, uh, the College Elite Mastermind has um, two venues, two ways of working with me. One is we have a high level group program. I never have more than 12 people in that group program. And I have my, I only have two or three spots depending on the year for individual coaching. When I take one athlete from being in the middle of high school, hopefully earlier than that, I take them into freshman year college. And if they want to, and they always want to, I help them through the college years. If they have um, uh, enough talent that we can actually prep them for the professional years, we will do that as well. And that's more of the individual level. So it's, it's a very, very um, exclusive experience with me. It's not, I, it's not my team coaching. I'm the only one who is coaching I may grow this uh, years down the road to be bigger if I have trained somebody under me to help me. But until that happens, I don't see that for the next several years. It is just me, uh, you know, literally like the individual program is such that um, I prepare the, uh, the students when they have any big performance, they can literally call me in the morning. If they have some jitters, we take care of it. It's, it's really a very close relationship. And with the group, they also have the peers with them. And a lot of times uh, parents talk to me and said, well, yeah, but will it be, I mean, they're going to be potentially competing for the same scholarship. I said, yes, and they're going to get it. Both of them. Because they're going to push each other and they become, they're going to become such good friends. They both going to get it. And the coach is going to love it because he's already going to, or she is already going to have a nucleus of two people that he or she can build the team on for the next four years. And they're like, oh. I said, yeah. This is no competitiveness, not unhealthy competitiveness in the groups. This is absolutely healthy pushing of each other. I know how to compete healthy. And I also know how to compete unhealthy. And I never, ever going to teach unhealthy to anyone in my life.
0: So I truly believe that athletes can make some of the best employees that any corporation or any industry can hire and i want to know if you agree or disagree with that and you know why do you think student athletes can make some of the best employees or not well
1: i wouldn't i don't i don't mean to make any correction but i wouldn't really think that they're gonna be the best employees I think they're going to be the best, um, the most successful leaders in so many ways. They will be great employees as far as if we want to go at the very beginning of their career. But what they're going to do is, and again, it depends on the athlete, okay? Because um, when I, I um, interviewed, um, when I uh, did a, a presentation for the uh, New York football Giants. And I told them, I can change in three months. Give me Beckham for three months. I will change him. He's not going to be acting like he's peeing on, on the, on the, on the uh, touchdown line. Okay, It's not going to happen. But the point is, it depends on the athlete. If that athlete is properly trained as a human being, then they're not only going to be the best employee because they're going to be quick, they're going to be decisive. They are going to be great under pressure. And the world just fell apart essentially last year. So we know what it means and how the mental state of our humanity just declined rapidly in five minutes. Now, you would want an athlete that is, that is already knowledgeable and, and um, skilled in handling that pressure to be in your team. So that's, I think, one of the biggest ones. The second one is they're going to be healthy. And that's very important in today's world, that if they train to be healthy, they're never going to give up, they're not going to get sick, and they're going to be mentally strong. Besides the fact that athletes also had to learn very fast the tools of their trade, because they have to pick things up very fast visually, as well as cognitively and physically. So anything that you're going to teach them, if, they, if it is at all within what I also teach in my other um, master course, um, if they are um, within what I call, they know their ikigai, which is um, a Japanese way of knowing what you were meant to do, okay, if we train them to know what their ikigai is and the leadership in where they work, put them into their zone of genius they're just going to provide an incredible um, opportunity for any company. But I also see a lot of my athletes are going on their own now and building their own businesses.
0: Absolutely. And I definitely agree with everything that you spoke about. Um, You know, and I want to know, why has college students anxiety risen over the last decade What do you believe are the causes of this and how can we start to scale this back?
1: Well, I have my beliefs and maybe it's not the same as the mainstream, but that's okay. I'm Hungarian. I'm not going to be the same. Um, The biggest reason is not just the students, it's everyone. It's not just the students. So when the family nucleus where this child is born into or these children are born into when the family nucleus is already anxious, is already worried, is already, you know, we have to have two people working now for the amount of money that one person was able to run the, the, the level of living that one person was able to live. When we have the um, women, when we have the mothers who Want to fulfill their responsibility to the fullest as a mother, but also they have to fulfill the responsibility as a wife and as now a, um, uh, a money earner, maybe a single breadwinner. There is so much pressure on the mother, some self inflicted, some life and society inflicted, that If the mother is unable to provide that calmness in the nest, it is going to affect the child, even in the womb. Okay? So this whole thing, we are um, women like ourselves. We are the center, the rock of our families. And if we in any way, shape or form are shaken, then everything else will be shaken. Now, I'm not saying this to now everybody think that I'm blaming mothers. No, I'm saying that if we're looking for the source, we're not going to be able to go backwards anymore. We want to have everything. We do. But what I would suggest is while we are making this everything stuff, can we, and this is part of, again, one of my courses that I teach, Can we also learn to surrender? Can we also learn to eliminate our emotional triggers? Can we also learn techniques? Of course we can, because I teach them to calm yourself down when that moment comes, when you are about to explode. Can we study why do we we explode and how we can tame that trigger so we don't? So the reason why everything started is because the world started to be so fast. Just the last 20 years, 25, 30 years, we went from nothing. Like I didn't have a computer when I was writing my dissertation. And now I have everything. The world is at your fingertip. fast, fast, fast. Everything is fast. You cannot keep up the speed. But well, we are trying, and that's what I'm trying to teach people is that it's not about the world's speed it's about your speed. let's find your optimal speed, let's prioritize your life and that's what I do with my grown-up clients is we prioritize their life and help them accept what we can do today and what we cannot and for me, the last six years of constant caretaking for First, my father who ended up passing away, then my mother, then now my husband. Nothing teaches you more of how to surrender, especially when you are a high achieving person like me, than the world collapsing on you. But I don't want you to have the world collapse on you before you surrender.
0: So my final topic that I want to discuss with you that I think is a major controversial topic within college athletics is, do you believe that pushing student athletes to the brink and to the edge is what creates such high level of performance and achievements?
1: It's a great question. Thank you for putting me on the spot. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I've seen it both ways. I've seen it both ways. Um, it depends on the athlete also. Some athletes respond very well for that type of coaching. Some athletes may respond in the short term, but then collapse in the long term. I personally believe that the best way to bring the best out of our athletes is if we make them understand and really clearly see what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. If we teach them to hone in on that strength once we discover it. And a lot of times my students actually surprised, they are just so surprised that when we go through some of my um, activities, some of my lessons, they say, oh my God, I didn't know that was my strength. And then I say, well, look back. Since you were born, just look back. You built this and this and this and this and this step of your life on that activity like, oh my God, that was you right. I'm like, yeah, I know. That's the point. But nobody ever takes you through those steps. So we need to teach them. That's the correct way. Not pushing them for pushing reason. It's not going to work. It may work for a semester or two tournaments or whatever, but it's going to collapse. And it's always going to collapse when it matters the most. I tell you that much. Just look at Phil. It took him 40, what 48 years, 50 years to learn, to play on a way that you can just breathe. And that's what we need to teach. So I teach them and this is what they need to do. They need to figure out what their strengths are. And the number two, which again, I go completely against everything that are being taught to our athletes. Number two is accept your weaknesses. Don't focus on the weaknesses. If you have to train, train 20% max on the weakness, 80% on your strength, because that is the one that's going to pull you through time after time. And even if you don't win, if you use, and if you build that performance in your weakness, at least you're going to have a good time. But if you're focusing on the weakness, you are going to crumble. A and B, you're not going to enjoy it. And it's the same thing for academics, by the way. For anyone who's listening, who's uh, focusing on uh, getting a big test, you have to find what is this? What is the strength that you have in that area? And study like crazy those strengths because those are that eighty percent is going to carry you through that uh, project. And by the way, another little tiny thing about tests. Yeah, they may look at you when you're trying to enter into a program. But if you are communicating properly, if you have the right energy about you when you talk to people, if you write through and from your heart in your essays or your scholarships, not not this cookie cutter business, from your heart, that the person who reads it can see clearly who you are. This is key, everybody. This is key. In that essay, you have to show who you are. I tell you right now, from a professor's perspective, from a perspective that we, I'm also a, um, a vice president of a uh, educational foundation, it's not the test scores are going to be our final thing. Who are you is what's going to be the final thing. So it's the same thing with the, um, I, I love your question. I can tell you, I am not a proponent of pushing for pushing sake. If there is someone that needs a little more nudge, yes, I get it. But the only thing is going to happen is um, burnout and injury. That's it.
0: So let's close it out with a fun fact about you that I do with all of my guests. And I want to know what do you love most about teaching student athletes?
1: My favorite. Is when I teach them some of these concepts, just like I was just mentioning with the Ikigai and what what is what you were meant to do in this world, my favorite is the moment when either cognitively or emotionally they get it. When I see in their eyes, like whoa, ah. I didn't I didn't even think of it that way. Oh, that makes sense. That aha moment worth millions and billions for me. And once we had that aha moment, then and, and I restructured my teaching so many times now to bring that aha moment now at the beginning. Because once we have that aha moment, that is that is like the biggest and deepest foundation and building block because now a they believe in themselves and b they believe in me now we can build now we can build the most incredible multi-billion dollar mansion called themselves that's my biggest moment i love 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 that moment
0: That's amazing. And so Dr. Clara, I want everyone listening to be able to find you, find your work, see what you're doing. And so where can they find you on social media or your websites or just learn about what you're teaching and what you're coaching?
1: Yes, yeah, so we have a bunch of things going on. Um, one of them is uh, if you are interested in learning a little bit more about how to get the scholarships, what are ways to get them, what are the tips to get them, um, also to uh, get a little more knowledge of um, the different sites. I have like 30 sites and I have these two freebies. It's, I call it the uh, Performance Accelerator uh, um, uh, Toolkit. So we can go into that. And uh, that they can have on uh, the website, you know, HTTPS so, and so forth so on, www.theperformanceaccelerator.com, theperformanceaccelerator.com. So if you go there, you can find the freebies. You can also jump in. Um, I have always some specific spots available. Again, because of my life, I am very selective. So it is, you know, it is what it is. So just jump in on that. And I also, uh, once you are in there, you've got those freebies. I also have a little bit of an instructional video of what, what are the most important things for you to do for that. Um, you can find me everywhere uh, on social media. You can find me on Facebook uh, and under Clara Gubach. This is my full name. And um, I have a, um, a group. A specific group. I have almost 900 members now in there, which is specifically about uh, how to prepare our s- student athletes, the gut and mind health revolution. That's basically what it is. So I tell my story in there. You can follow my life in there and you can learn. We have every single week, we have several very, very deep, good, uh, useful posts for people to just pick up and run with. So those are the biggest social media or um, the biggest offers that I can make for you. And uh, the ones that you can really learn about me.
0: Amazing. Well, Dr. Clara, thank you so much for sharing your insight, your advice. You are so intelligent, so smart. And I think everyone listening can really learn so much from you and what you have to offer. So thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for being here. Um, Everyone, please reach out to Dr. Clara learn about what she's doing and what she's teaching. She's so intelligent and has so much to share. Um, so thank you so much.
1: Thank you very much. And if I may share with one more thing that I usually tell my athletes, and, um, this, this may sound very European, but it is what it is. Um, you said that I'm so intelligent and all that stuff. And, and the response I would have is not too bad for a little girl from little Budapest, Hungary, to come over to the other end of the world and do and accomplish and achieve all these things besides being a multi-championship winning athlete, to be a professor, to be a wife, to be a caretaker, to be a lover of, of humanity. But the message of what I just said is really that if you want to be a good athlete that want to excel, you've got to have a bit of a cockiness about you. You, you can't say, oh, I just, I'm going to try to, be. no, don't be, you know, a jerk, but you got to own that you got it because that's a talent you were given and so-and-so were given something else. And so many times in this world, we are trying to just play small. No, you're not going to win a thing in your life. And guess what? Nobody is going to love you more if you play small. So go out there, have that chip on your shoulder, go out and win or bring your best when it comes to most.
0: Absolutely. And thank you so much for that advice. Thank you for everything you have shared. It has been amazing. Thank
1: you so much for the opportunity.